following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me Grace and peace to you 
from our God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so glad you've joined. I want to share some things with you today that I think will make your feet dance and call you much deeper into this knowing Jesus. It's all about knowing Jesus. The book of Galatians, the first chapter, it says, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present present evil age. And that word evil in the Greek is very interesting. It means toil, pain, struggle, labors, annoyances, hardships, danger, things that threaten to steal your life away. And and Paul opens the book of Galatians by saying, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you like to be rescued from your annoyances, from your hardships, from your bitter toil? Is that of interest to you? Then in verse 6 he says, this is Galatians 1 verse 6, I am astonished that you have so quickly deserted the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. The gospel means good news. In other words, he's saying you have turned to something that is not good news. You've turned to beliefs that perhaps you were taught by your parents but they have not delivered you from this evil age. They have not made you righteous. They have left you in your sin. You've had no victory over your addictions. You've had no victory over your worries and concerns. You have had no victory over your own wicked heart, over your alcoholism, over your pornography, over your bitterness. Some of you are still very bitter and angry in your heart about the way a brother or sister has treated you or about how a pastor has treated you. If you still carry that bitterness, you're looking at the wrong gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ rescues us from these things, delivers us, sets us free. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. In other words, hang on to your good news. Don't throw your good news away. It's precious to you. It delivers you from pain and toil and labors and annoyances and hardships and dangers. It delivers you. Are you interested in that kind of gospel? I am. Now, wow, I don't know how to even begin to talk about this. Some of you have all the theology. You you know what you believe. You know what you think. But you don't know Jesus. And so you have a different of a different gospel. (coughs) Pardon me. I want you to know Jesus. You see, Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is more than just a body of information. The gospel is Jesus himself. Jesus is the gospel. The person, Jesus. The Son of Man, Jesus. He is the gospel. And so you need to know Jesus. If you want the real gospel of Christ, you have to know him. Oh, I've noticed something that has happened in my life many times, and I find it has happened in many of your lives. And that is, confusion comes in. And with confusion comes condemnation. So we judge ourselves. We look at ourselves and we say, I'm not what I ought to be. Man, I'm missing it. We begin to criticize ourselves. We begin to judge ourselves we begin to condemn ourselves. And I ask some of you, are you you clean with Jesus? And you'll answer me almost always. Everyone almost always answers me the same way. No, pastor, I'm I'm not clean with Jesus. I have a ways to go. I have things I need to work on. Well, you know that if you answer that way, you're listening to a different gospel. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no place for self-condemnation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, now there is a place to come before him and recognize our sin and repent of that sin, specific sins, repent of that sin, renounce it in the name of Jesus and turn to Jesus and he will remove that sin from your heart. Sometimes you have to stop and say, you know what? I really love my sin. And you know what? Boy, I hate to say this to you, but some of you love your misery. You're only happy when you're miserable. Does that make sense? 
You're only happy when you're weighted down. You're only happy when you have something to complain about. I can't live that way. Life is full of many beautiful things. Friendships, gifts of love, opportunities to serve. Life is full of men and women who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to share that gospel with you and with others as I meet you on the streets or in the stores or at church or wherever we meet. I want you to know Jesus. You see, innocence or righteousness does not come by the law. It doesn't come by measuring up to some ethical standard. It doesn't measure by, it doesn't doesn't work, doesn't come by working hard on changing myself. I can't clean myself up enough. My dad, he was a wonderful Bible teacher and he used to say to me, Raymond, it's, it's like, I get you all cleaned up and we're ready to go to town. And you go outside to wait for me and there's a a big puddle of water and there's mud in it and you decide you're going to build some little highways for cars and you're going to drive your car through that mud. In the process, you get muddy Your hands are muddy. Your clothing becomes muddied. He said, can you clean yourself up in the mud puddle? Is it possible for you to clean yourself up? No. He said, Daddy, no. If I try to rub the mud off, I just get mud spread everywhere. I I can't clean myself up. He says, well, what would have to happen? I said, Daddy, I'd have to come in the house. And you would be displeased. But you'd have to take my muddy clothes off. And you'd have to wash me. And then you could put clean clothes on me. And then we could go to town. He laughingly said, you're right. So don't go get in the mud, Ray. Go on outside and play. I'll be right out, but don't get in the mud. Yes, Daddy. And I went outside and I did not get into the mud. Instead, I went to town with my daddy. But I've never forgotten that simple lesson. Many of you are playing in the mud. You're condemning yourself. You're judging yourself. You're angry and upset. You're depressed. You're discouraged. You need to know Jesus. Is the only one who can clean you up. You can't clean yourself up. You can't be made righteous by obeying the law. Impossible. It's by the law that we have the knowledge. It's the mirror in front of our face so that when we go stand in front of the mirror, we see the mud everywhere. We see the filth on our clothes. All the law can do is kill you. All the law can do is kill you. 
It can't clean you up. I want you to be clean. And only the blood of Jesus can wash you and make you clean and put new clothes on you. So I want to speak especially to those of you who who find yourself filthy dirty. You've been condemning yourself. You, you've turned against yourself. You're depressed. You're discouraged. You're complaining. I want to talk to you. There's a passage of Scripture that is frightening, and yet it's so real. It's frightening because it describes what Jesus has gone through and it describes what we will need to go through to be cleaned up. Now, this is not a lifelong experience. Everything has its time and then it passes. (laughs) I know it seems like what's happening in your life is forever, but it's not. It's only a season, and then it will pass. I'm very grateful for that. Right now, I'm living in a very painful, difficult season in my life. And what this season has done, it has driven me to Jesus. And I know Jesus better now than I ever have in my life. And I'm so grateful for this time, this season in my life that has driven me to Jesus. Well, let me read the passage of Scripture for you. It's a familiar one, but and it's one that I've been shy to tackle, but today we're going to tackle it. Galatians, the third chapter. I'm sorry, Galatians, the second chapter. I'm going to read first from the NIV, and then I'm going to read from a literal translation. It's called the Lavender Translation. Galatians, the second chapter, I'll begin with verse 20. Paul writing, saying, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, let me read this for you from a literal translation that is not as smooth but more accurate to the Greek. Again, it's Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and still am. And still am. I am crucified with Christ and I still am. On the other hand, I live. Yet not I, But Christ lives in me, and that life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one having loved me 
and having handed himself over in my behalf. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness is by law, then Christ died in vain. This morning I was I was up early before daylight. I was in the prayer closet. I was reading the scriptures. And my heart was just very, very sad this morning. There were so many issues pressing upon my heart. People that I'm very concerned about, that I love dearly. People I'm praying for and lifting up before the throne of God. A dear brother whose granddaughter is in the womb and looking like she might not make it. I was crying out for her. I was crying out to Jesus for family members, for church members, for me. And it seemed the more I prayed, the sadder I became until there were just tears flowing. But I have confidence in Jesus. And I began to say to him what I often say that encourages my heart. I was saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. I trust you. I love you and I trust you. And no matter how I feel, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I stopped. Very quietly in my spirit, I heard, I love you, Ray. I was astonished. I didn't expect Jesus to speak into my spirit this incredible word, I love you, Ray. That's good news to me. My whole countenance changed. My whole attitude changed. God said he loved me. Jesus said he loved me. And then I turned to the scriptures today and prayed through what I was to present to you. And it says in Galatians, the second chapter, the one having loved me and handing himself over on my behalf. What I heard in the Spirit is confirmed in the Word. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. He loves you. But his call is to bring us out of this world of struggle into his world of faith. And so Paul says, Because of the law, I died to the law in order that I might live for God. In other words, the law condemned. And I'm concerned for many of you who you live under the law but have somehow made peace with yourself so you think you're okay but you're not. You know you're not but you think you are. 
He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now let's be clear. Crucifixion was what Jesus spoke of when he said, if you would follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This was before he'd gone to Golgotha, before he'd been crucified on the, at the place of the skull. But he was going there. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to follow him, taking up our cross, we're going to have to follow him, and we're going to have to be crucified with Christ. In other words, the way you leave the toil and the anxiety and the bitterness and the sin is you die to the law. You die to yourself. You're crucified. And you remain there. Now we spoke about this yesterday. How do you die? How are you crucified? By irrevocably giving up all of your heart, mind, soul, body to Jesus Christ. Now, you're not crucified in the flesh as Jesus was. You're crucified in your spirit. And you make a decision. Yes, I will be crucified with Jesus Christ and my life is now over. He says, on the other hand, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So he's saying, yes, I continue living in this flesh body, but I've died. It's not as though I'm brought into Jesus and I continue to live and Jesus lives with me, in me. When I was in college, a professor came to do a week of spiritual emphasis for our college, a Christian college. And he made the strange statement that if, if we would allow Jesus to be our co-pilot, everything would work out. He was wrong. Jesus never comes to be our co-pilot. He does not share the controls of our life with us. Jesus is the pilot. As one man said, I asked Jesus to come and drive my car. And I thought I could sit beside him. He said, no. No, I thought I could sit in the back seat. He said, no. Well, where am I to go? Here. Here. Let's put you in the trunk. I'm driving. I'm the one taking you where I want you to go. So if you want to be released with the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, you're going to have to make a decision to get in the trunk of your car and hand him the keys and let him drive you. It was such good news to me after Jesus said to me, I love you, Ray. It was such good news 
to let go of all my concerns about radio, about who listens and who doesn't, to not be concerned about success, but simply to let Jesus drive. I'm here doing what Jesus said to do, but it's not me. It's Jesus in me. So he has the right to tell me, this is the content I want you to give. And that's what happened this morning. I waited before him for some hours. I had a general idea of the direction he was going to take me. But I had to wait upon him for the specific word and the way he wanted this broadcast to be made today. So I waited on him. And he was very clear about this passage in Galatians, the second chapter. Now, am I crucified with Christ or am I not? Are you crucified with Christ or are you not? Well, I don't have time for that discussion. I'll tell you why. I made a decision that I would be crucified with Christ. And so I took a position. I am crucified with Christ. Because he said to follow him, to take up my cross. I've done that. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Okay, Paul, if you can say it, I can say it. I've been crucified with Christ. But you know what? It doesn't really matter what I say as much as it matters what Jesus says. Now, please, please hear me when I say this to you. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm talking about. There is a place that we must allow. Yea, there's a place we must invite where God comes as we wait upon him and he does his work in our life and in our heart and we know he has done the work. Now I come today and say, I have been crucified with Christ. How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I have been crucified with Christ. I have been because he said I have been. Because, and I won't go into the passages now, but there is a surgical process that must go on to be crucified with Christ. And it's it's called circumcision in the scripture. Jesus comes and by the Spirit he circumcises our hearts so that we are crucified with Christ. Now, there is only one baptism unto salvation. But there is a second baptism of the Holy Spirit where this work of circumcision is actually totally finished. 
in in one sense. But it's possible, and this is where I am today, I have been crucified with Christ. I have utterly given my life over into his hands, and the surgical process of sanctification is still going on in my heart and my life. But I am crucified with Christ. Now, let me say again what I said at the beginning of this broadcast. Jesus is my circumcision. Jesus is my crucifixion. Jesus is my Savior. All of this is found in the person of Jesus. And if you're going to other sources and other people and other things to comfort your heart because of the inner condemnation that you're placing on yourself or because you're just not frankly interested in the depths of knowing Jesus because he seems to be boring to you you open the scriptures and you try to read and you can't because you go to sleep do you know why you've seared your mind with wicked things of the world with the entertainment of the world I I came to know this when I tried to read the scriptures and I read them right after I'd spent an hour or so watching television. This was many years ago. And I immediately went to sleep and I said, wait a minute, I didn't go to sleep watching that program on television. Why am I going to sleep reading the scriptures? Well, because I had no taste for the scriptures. I had grieved the Holy Spirit from my heart. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us a taste for the Word of God. So if you can't read the Word of God, if you just find yourself bored and going to sleep, you may have to do the same thing I had to do. I had to stand up and read the Scriptures aloud so I wouldn't go to sleep while I was reading them. And secondly, I had to turn my television off. I discovered I could not know God, I could not know Jesus, and know the television, or the videos, the YouTubes. I could not know Jesus, and know everything on the internet. I had to stop using those things to sear my mind, and comfort my soul. So I turned and began to search after Jesus in the scriptures. And he was everywhere. And the scriptures became a living technicolor piece. And that's how it is today. When I open the word and I begin to read, it just comes. It leaps to life in my heart. And I love to read it. I read it. I call it recreational reading. I used to love novels, historical novels, different kinds of novels. I don't anymore. I don't read novels. The word novel means lie. I want truth. So I laid aside my novels. In fact, I tossed them. I had many different kinds of novels that I loved. 
don't anymore because I don't love a lie. I love the truth. I come to the scriptures and they come alive for me. So if you're interested in knowing Jesus, there's only one way you can know him and that is to be crucified with with him. And and remain there. Continue to be crucified. Finished. Done. I'm there. And then the scriptures say, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's his faith. This is Jesus' faith in me. In other words, Jesus now will come into your life. Now, I'm going to come back. I've gone around a circle and I've got to come back to this. I want you to hear it. I want you to understand it. Coming to Jesus, being crucified with Christ, is not a therapeutic approach to life. It is not something that I manufacture. It's not something I create. It's something God does in me. It's something that you make a decision. I am going to belong to Jesus Christ. I am going to be crucified with Christ. I want to know Jesus in the fullness of his love. And so I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to expect to hear from God and be transformed by his glory. And I expect to know when he comes. And I expect to hear him. One woman who made this decision after four or five hours of struggle, giving up her life. Time went by, two weeks. And one morning, she felt a hand on her shoulder that woke her up. And the presence of God was so awesome present and so powerful. Suddenly she knew the change had been made that Jesus had just come and totally changed her life. She went out to breakfast and she began to say to her husband, Honey, something happened this morning. He said, You don't need to tell me about it. I already know all about it. The Holy Spirit came to you. Yes, and everything's changed. Hadn't happened yet for him. Took him a lot longer because he was a more intellectual guy. But finally, in time, the Lord came to him too. What I'm trying to say is that this knowing of Jesus is not a one-way street. It's not something that's intellectualized. It's something that is as real as you could know me, I could know you. We could share. We could talk together. 
we could become friends. So it is with Jesus. We can talk together. We can spend time. He comes very close. He knows how to comfort our hearts. He knows how to direct our path. He knows how to direct our steps. It says, On the other hand, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one having loved me and having handed himself over in my behalf. Jesus died on Calvary for you. He gave up his life for you. Can you get a hold of that? And now he wants to come into your life and wash and cleanse. He wants the old man dead and he wants to bring forth a new creation. A new creation. For a long time, I imagined that this walk with Jesus was something I was doing with an imaginary friend and that he wasn't really real. And that prompted me to, and again, this was many years ago, but it prompted me to set up a test. I said, I have to know if God is there. And so I set up a test where I asked God for something very specific that was impossible. And I began to pray and I set aside from 10 to 11 o'clock Monday through Friday that I would go to my bedroom, close the door because that's what the scripture said. Go in before the Father, close your door, get on your knees. That's what I did. And for the next months, I prayed. Now, I had not prayed much up to that point. And I set the alarm clock so that I would know when the hour was up. I I needn't have done that because after 10 minutes, I had said everything two or three times that I had to say, and I had no clue what else to speak to the Lord. I was done. But I'd made a covenant that I'd stay on my knees for one hour. Slowest hour of my life. I kept looking at the clock. I wondered if the clock had stopped working. No, it was just time passing slowly as I waited before God. And I figured, I've got to do something or I'm going to die. I'm not going to stop. I need to know if God is real. I need to know if it's personal. I need to know if God will answer my prayer. And if he won't, I'm done with him. I'm not recommending you do this, please. It was in my foolish immaturity that I did this. So second day I came and did the same thing and the same thing happened and the third day the same thing happened. And in my boredom I turned in the scriptures to Psalms and I suddenly had the idea in my mind pray the Psalms, their prayers. So I began to read the Psalms aloud to God. 
And then everything began to shift and change in my heart. Oh, I held God's feet to the fire on his answer to me. But God held my feet to the fire as he began to transform and change me. And that hour grew into two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day. My staff and my my board were very concerned because I wasn't getting the work done as the senior pastor. We had five full-time staff. It was a rough time. But I knew I had to get to God or the whole church was just something I didn't want to be a part of. I'll never forget the day the Lord answered. It was a stern answer. And it was a straight answer. And he said, no, and don't ask me again. And I was terrified, and I leaped to my feet, and I ran, literally ran, out of the house and was afraid to go back and pray for about two weeks. I went back after two weeks. I got on my face before God, and I began to repent and say, I have acted as a spoiled child. I have been wrong. Please forgive me. I did not mean to insult you, Holy Spirit. I have insulted you. I recognize that. And I repented for my foolishness. And then very quietly in my spirit, he began to direct me and tell me what he was going to do. Now I'm sharing this story with you to tell you, look, this relationship with Jesus is not an imaginary relationship. It is not a secret friend that is imagined. Jesus is real. And he answers your prayers. But he wants you to come and be crucified with him. And he wants you to lay down your life and get in the trunk of your car and let him drive your life and take you where he wants to take you and do with you what he wants to do with you. Now trust him because everything he has planned is wonderful in the end. And so (laughs) I come today. I have so many things I could be worried about. Finances, personal issues, the church. He wants me to come to him and lay those things out before him and then walk away from them and let him carry them and trust him to do what is necessary in every situation I'm not in the driver's seat. Jesus is in the driver's seat of my life. I know Jesus. And he is kind and merciful, loving, full of, full of forgiveness. Are you interested in this kind of dynamic, experimental, shall I call it relationship with Jesus? Where it's no longer one way, it's not imagined, it's not something you're just 
doing because you want to be saved and you're supposed to do it, but you're full of condemnation of yourself and full of sadness and, and you need healing and you need you need mental and emotional and physical healing. You need finances healed. You need the job changed. You need, you need, you need, you need, you need. Are you willing to put all those needs on straight to Jesus? And then are you willing to give up control of your life to him? It's that simple. Are you willing to repent of your sin? Are you willing to repent of your sin? And give him full authority and power over your life. When those thoughts come of self-condemnation, are you willing to say, I am crucified with Christ? In fact, draw, draw it on a piece of paper, some tombstones. Put your name on the stone. Date it today. I died. And right under that, write, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Now, don't do that if you're not willing to give up the control of your life, if you're not willing to get in the trunk of your car and ride there. Because when Jesus takes over, he takes over. You don't come back to life. You don't rule with Jesus. He rules. He is the absolute Lord and Savior of our hearts and our lives. Listen, nothing can come into my life save through the hand of Jesus Christ. The devil can't bring anything that he is not allowed to bring. No test of my soul can come except as Jesus allows it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. It's Christ living in me. This is a a current and real experience in my life. And I want it to be in your life. I want you to know Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you know Jesus yet? Well, we're almost out of time. I'd like to pray with you. Almighty God, Lord Jesus, you are everything to me. Son of man, King of kings, Lord of lords, lover of my soul, I worship you today. And I ask in the name that is above every name, your name, Jesus, that you would move in every person's heart today who has listened to this broadcast. If they're in their car riding, if they're at work, if they're at home, Lord, wherever they are, would you reach out right now? And would you demonstrate for them the reality of your presence And will you turn them aside from all self-condemnation, from all discouragement, from all despair? Lord, would you call them to be crucified with you? Would you cause them to get in the trunk of their car and let you drive them where you want to take them? Lord, I glorify your name. I worship you, Jesus. I cannot thank you enough for 
this morning early as you spoke to me and said, I love you, Ray. Lord, thank you. I needed to hear those words in my spirit today. For I know your word says you do love us. And it is personal. You counted the hairs of our head. Lord, thank you. I bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please, I'd like to hear from you. And I can't thank you enough. I'll show you on the video. Here are the letters that that I've received just this month, last month. Uh, Leslie, Sylvia, Josephine, Ralph, Robert, Tom, Chris, Patricia. On and on the letters go. Especially Delip. He's such a special brother. You know what? Thank you. I'd like to hear from you. If you'd like to help make this broadcast possible, write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'd love to see you donate on that page. It's there for you, for, for you to grow in Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, His glory.